Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about DM 101, scope and campaign length. The basic idea here is uh, t we're going to be talking about building a campaign that is uh, shorter in length or uh, constrained in scope, whether that's geographical or otherwise, so that you have a campaign that can be finished in a much shorter time frame, a couple of months versus years or decades. Today we're talking to our friend Sean Havis. How's it going, Sean? Pretty good. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been GMing, playing games in general for about 12 years. I started with a friend of mine who introduced me to Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, from there I was pretty much the first person in my group to start running it, experimenting with that, and, and uh, went on from there to a bunch of different systems, Travelers, Exalted, D&D &D 5th. So, first question. What are some of the advantages that you've discovered when you build a campaign that has a smaller scope? So when, um, especially when first starting, it's easy to build a game that takes up everything that you've, uh, you've thought about previous to running a game. You, you throw in every idea, you draw that map, you want to go to every spot on that right away. Um, and then very suddenly, oh, this campaign is going to take two decades. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> well, scheduling differences and all that, you know, it's hard to actually get through a bunch of that, especially something that's going to be both satisfying to yourself and satisfying to your players. So what you can do um, by limiting both either setting a specific time frame for that you're going to try and conclude a game in, or maybe you try and limit the amount of things that you're going to do in that game, um, it allows you to pack more and allows you get a denser, more rich experience. What are some of the disadvantages that you've discovered while making your campaigns smaller in scope? Uh, it's easy sometimes to lack the luster that you can get from those big campaigns. So it's about finding ways around that challenge. So even if you're limiting it to one city, let's say, and that's how you're going to limit that, um, it's about finding ways to make sure that there's interesting things to do, there's interesting characters inside of that, and you still allow the players to experience the epic things that happen inside of the game. So you don't have to lose that richness, you just need to prep more about how to find ways to include it. Right. So it's, it's, it ends up almost being like more work working on the finer details of the smaller setting Yeah. instead of having the grand kind of sprawling epic. Yeah, and it, it can be like a um, time management thing in a way. Rather than spending that time figuring out a whole bunch of different things in a whole bunch of different places, location-wise, if you pack it into one, it allows you to think about how those things interact. It also sounds like it becomes a little bit easier. Maybe a way to think about it is instead of focusing on, I'm going to have all these cool bad guys and cool train features and crazy cities, trying to focus more on how do I put a spotlight on each player so that they feel like they did something meaningful in a sh in this shorter campaign? Yeah, actually, it gives you that opportunity to, um, if you know what your players are and what they're wanting to accomplish, finding ways to place those hooks in specifically. So rather than uh, having to find a place down the road, you know, just put it in right away because you've only got that limited time frame. Just take that opportunity and, and put those hooks in specifically for certain players. Yeah, unless you have players who are really going to notice if you suddenly add something small to the setting, it 
kind of works well, right? Because you can be like, yes, there's a there's a forest just on the edge of town. Well, there's there's even ways to get around that that it doesn't feel like necessarily just random ad hoc included. Like, let's say that you've got a conflict between two countries and um, you take the opportunity to include like a diplomat and like a force from that, that country in the current country that you're in. You can still have a representation of them there or maybe you run into like the underground or something like that. So you can still include multi-nation personality without having to... Flesh out entire countries. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely something that I've run into. Like, I've, I kind of went off the rails a bit when I was creating my first campaign. And I've got, I've got this first, like, continent down. I know exactly what's going on. But I've got, like, five more continents and a couple of big island chains. I have no idea what's going in there. Yeah, don't don't try and like paint the it in details there. Do it in broad strokes, and then if you decide to include it, then just you know work on those little fine details for the people that you do include. Mm -hmm. Make them paragons of where they're from. So when kind of trimming down on content to reduce the scope, say you're already running kind of a bigger game and you're kind of trying to pull it in. Yeah, what are some things to look out for? Or some tips of things you should focus on doing. So I think we covered this a little bit where we were talking about the um, opportunities to include things for certain players. And when you're trying to trim down content or you're trying to like write a narrative that it has, hits multiple targets, basically. Say that there's going to be a set of orcs that are going to be inside of a or near a city or something like that there doesn't have to be a reason why that set of orcs can't be the set of orcs that's from a player's backstory that tribe that's been traveling through the land and the tribe that's you know suddenly attacking this set of villages that the players are going to help in what what do you mean it's the it's the black claw clan of orcs and you know you've got that tie-in and player motivation right there and that's without having to make two different instances for that to happen. So um, looking for ways that you can uh, accomplish multiple goals in a single writing block uh, can help you there. From your experiences being a DM, what has led you to prefer this smaller scope kind of game? So originally I did the exact same, like, spanning world plots and you go traveling for you know a few weeks of time you get to a new place and oh look there's this new fancy city right up to even recently not my current game but the last one i kind of ran it with two groups of the same ones don't do it it's a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were basically running the same plot at the same time and it was a travel game we hit multiple different points in the world but part way through i f sort of realized that the entire plot that I had written, all of the characters and all the locations, could have been compressed in essentially into one temple. Like, I could have had just a temple dungeon dive that would have hit the same plot points, the same, like, epic moments, the same things that I wanted to accomplish and accomplish with the characters. All could have been done, boom, one, one location. And after I realized that, the whole game suddenly appeared like it was like dragging out, it was taking too long, it was watered down. I think in general the game was still a good time and we still had fun with it, but I realized in that way how I could have done it so much better. One of the things that, I, one of the blogs that I follow online is The Angry GM, and yep. he's been doing a series that I really hope he picks up again, which is his Mega Dungeon. And that idea of having like an entire campaign set in a single location when i first read it that the the idea sounds like to me it sounds like you do something like that for a one shot but seeing all the like the planning and everything and and what you're saying it sounds like having an entire campaign set in a single location lets you tell a much a much better story 
Uh, more focused more focused yeah it's not that large spanning campaigns can't be good i mean like i've played them enjoyed them and ran them and enjoyed them it's just that i think you get to be you get to go a little bit deeper with it you get to explore more the narrative of where you are and what the players are doing um when it's a little maybe a little hard to tell when they're moving across a really large uh, landscape or a really large like setting one thing that I have noticed, though, from those series and, and what you're talking about, kind of just general feeling I've had is it almost feels like having a campaign that's set in a single location, it almost feels like it it's more work um, <laughs> because it feels like you're constraining yourself by just having like, OK, it's going to be in this city or it's going to be this temple that's got a dungeon underneath it. It feels like there's a lot more constraints than what you can do, which I I've heard this all over that constraints make you much more creative, but it also sounds like it would be a lot more work because, you know, you have to keep throwing out ideas because like, oh, no, I can't do that because I have to like add a whole nother city kind of stuff. Is that something you've experienced? Yeah. So when you were talking about like, while you were saying that, I was like, first thing I'm going to say is constraint breeds creativity. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that it like it creates more work. Like if you think about um, when you go to, uh, right for the larger setting you're like okay well now i'm going to go to the city okay well what if the players ask me for a map okay that means i've got to do a map for this and think about the way that the city works and then when they go to this island i'm going to have to think okay well what's the shape of the island and what kind of the tropics are we in and you have to go through those the set of that questions for that and then you know if you go to a third or a fourth thing then you, you know you're spending time answering the same questions for each of the same locations let's draw a map learn about the setting, you know, what kind of people are there. You have to do that each time. If you spend that same amount of time answering it for a single location, then you can ask, what's the setting? What's the people, what are the people like? What's the weather like? Okay, done. Now we can move on to what's the local government like? Are there local traditions? What religion is here? Where's the local market? And what, what's like, let's say that the, the market's a place that when you want players to go to, you can take the opportunity when, instead of answering what that island's about, now it's like, I can answer what that market's about. I definitely see that because it feels like instead of having to come up with it's something that I've kind of felt not quite burnout, but having to answer those same questions over and over again, it feels like not like you're wasting time because like when you're it feels like so far the stuff that I've done, the players are enjoying it, but maybe they'd be enjoying a lot more if I could be spending all that creative juice just fleshing out a single location. I think another thing that's kind of useful about flushing out a single location like that is you get a better grasp of the NPCs that are there. Yeah. And you get, it allows you to be like, okay, well, I want to introduce this orc clan. How are, how did they get into the city? Oh, well, there was this NPC they found, they talked to like three or four levels ago who's been around, obviously. Maybe he lets them in or he does something or other or he's in contact with them. You get a better kind of sense of, who's in the city and what they would do. And it's also a great way to bring back returning NPCs. Absolutely. It, it, it definitely feels like it's a way to, to make a place feel much more alive. Because the thing I've found so far is the players in my campaign have gone through a couple of towns and villages, and now they're in a big city. And there's a bunch of NPCs that they met for like part of a single session and are probably never going to meet again. But if they were in a sing, if this campaign was in a single location, every person they meet has the potential to come back without me having to go, 
okay, maybe this person's village was attacked and they, they're now refugees and they're all here. In the, it feels like it's a lot easier to recycle NPCs this way. And actually something that I've started to experience and I um, find more particularly with the game where I'm implementing this most than what I'm running right now um, is that when you go to act out that NPC, you don't have to go through that pause. Okay, what's this villager like? Uh, he's got a funny accent. Hi. Um, you can take that opportunity to... To every time you come back to that NPC, you yourself as a GM learn that person more. You can, you know, find out, uh, and the characters will ask them questions, and then you have to answer them even if you haven't prepared that answer. And then it's canon. You write that down, you note that down about that character. Both you and your players have learned something, and both and the setting grows. So when you're creating a campaign that's got this kind of smaller scope, how do you... How do you communicate this to your players and uh, potentially deal with players that were kind of looking forward to, like, they wanted to sit down and play a campaign for two years? <laughs> well, I think that is all about communication at the outset of a game. So when you sit down or when you're even thinking about what players you're going to include in that game, then uh, make sure to communicate what your intentions are. This kind of the current game came from my wanting to work with this more and one of my characters uh one of my players uh, communicated that he wanted to sort of like set up shop in the city build fortifications try and like have that that structure happening what you could run into like i'm lucky in that i have like a large group of players which is also a little bit of a problem sometimes I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah not everybody gets in on every game but uh we were able to uh, make sure that everybody in the game was uh, on board with the game that was going to be run but let's say that uh, you have three people you play with only ever and those are the only people that you ever get to play D&D with and one of those characters really wants to have maybe you compromise on like the length of the campaign understanding you're only going to run for that time frame but he wants to have that like big campaign feel that doesn't mean that the games run either for a limited period of time or in a limited geographical area can't have that sense of scale so when you introduce them to the setting, you bring up a couple of small things that are going on at the beginning, and then you, rather than just ramping it up one notch at a time, ramp it up real quick. Ramp it up so that suddenly, you know, those little couple of orcs that you're dealing with are suddenly part of like a massive force that's invading the continent, and then suddenly, you know, there's a mastermind behind the whole thing who's orchestrating it, who wants the city to fall, and then suddenly you've got that big campaign feel in just a couple of months. I think that's a really good point, is that scope is much different than scale that you can have a, a campaign that's small in scope but huge in scale yeah and i wish i had known that before i started mine <laughs> i played in a, a really excellent campaign that that ray actually who we interviewed in episode one ran where he kept us basically in this small county and one of the things that he also did uh, that was interesting which D specifically allows for really well is Okay, well, now you're used to this county. Now we're going to take you into the Feywild section of this county, which is this county, but run by the Fey, and what that would be like, and like what places are still there, and what places have disappeared, and all that kind of stuff. If you're really familiar with a smaller setting, you can find more interesting ways to flip it. Absolutely. No, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. and in, especially with D&D, you've got... You don't have just the Fey, you have all of the planes. There's the Shadow Plane, all yep. the Elemental Planes. So many different things for you to explore, but still be in this small region. 
that is a really powerful idea. It's wrinkling my brain a bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are some ways that you can someone can take a campaign they may have been running for a while and kind of reduce the geographical scope or geological scope to kind of condense it? If they're trying to end it quicker or it's been a sprawling campaign and they kind of want to stop that, do you think there's any effective way to do that without kind of cheapening the experience? Yeah, so hopefully when planning out a large campaign, um, you have some sense of um, what the villain's goals are. And, and ideally, you know, if you have multiple different villains, um, your problem's going to be compounded if you're trying to conclude a bunch of different stories at once. Yeah. But if you, let's say in this scenario that you're just trying to conclude uh, one main large arc, bring it all together. You might have that villain have like long plans of like, okay, well, this city is going to get sieged at this point, And then after that's done, then I get to invade the continent. And he might have like long term plans about how that happens. Um, rather than just trying to like shuffle everything in and push it in a couple of sentences, like, okay, this session, orc invasion happens and we're done. And then next we're on to the, you know, the siege and then we're done. And then we're on to the planes and then we're done. Try and think of it as a restructuring of the villain's motivations. So take that character, that, that that villain, and then think about how the party's interacted with him so far. So um, he's, the characters have been spoiling his plots, defeating you know parts of the, the thing that's been going on, um, and then allow them to that allow that villain to restructure those plans in response, and then up that time scale in a very specific way, in a very targeted way. So suddenly, um, rather than the characters going to the ongoing plot that's happening, make the villain bring that plot to the characters. It's like suddenly they're a problem that he has to deal with. Okay. So rather than having it go, well, now we're going to go find where these things are happening, um, then suddenly all those like conflicts that you had planned out, you could bring in in a very targeted way, in a way that starts to feel personal, especially if the villain communicates that. So what what you said about, you know, the orcs and then the siege and then the big things happening, it got me to wondering, do you think that having time skips is a way to rein in the scope a little bit, but in, kind of increase that scale where like, you, you know, the players fight off besieging orc army and then you do like a little bit of a storytelling back and forth with your players to skip ahead a couple of years and that new or the the guy behind the orcs introduced that, but not have it be a sudden, like, orcs, and suddenly bad guy. Like, let it feel like stuff happened in between point A and point B, but it's not the next day. Time skips, I think, are tricky. They definitely have their place. Um, and uh, I think it's a matter of the experimentation with how it works or doesn't work with your group. So if you're going to go for a time skip, just make sure that you actually, like, it's not just a matter of turn the clock, everything's kind of the same as it was, and then turn it back on, and then it's like, oh yes, and then three months later, your characters are standing right where they were at that previous time, and then we pick it up again, and boom. I'd take some opportunity to explore that time skip. Like you were saying, take that opportunity to, to do some role-playing, find out the things that have changed during that time. Mm -hmm. That definitely sounds like a great way, an alternate way to, to bring it to the same, um, the same route. I'm a big fan of time skips also, especially when there's like a level or you want to give your characters a couple levels because you can be like, yeah, you spent this time training or like you have the ranger in the robe maybe went off looking for signs of the dark, the dark lord or whatever. And they can 
have left the city, but you don't necessarily have to roleplay that and build full settings. You can just kind of go through a brief discussion with them. And when they get back, at least kind of what I like conceptually to do is have them do a short adventure that either gets interrupted by the Return of the Dark Lord, or alternatively, they do that and it ends, but then something immediately comes up. So it's not like you're ending the one big campaign arc, time skip, even if you have some of the details in there, and then immediately... Next big campaign arc immediately starts. To me, it almost feels like this idea popped in my head when you say the rogue and the ranger go off to like do some scouting or whatever, is that like you do something not sitting around a table, like maybe just over email or Facebook or whatever, just a storytelling-only thing where like you give them a whole bunch of information so that when the group gets back together, those two players are the people telling them, like, yeah, we went off and we did some stuff and we come back and we have to tell you about the Dark Lord because he's back. I'd make sure to take the opportunity that um, all of the players had some sort of events during that time frame. Yeah, but you could definitely use other players as the vector for for a new plot. Yeah. And in all of those, you still want to think about, like, how it comes to that conclusion. So even if you do the time skip, you still need to think about bringing it to a point. So make sure that the plans, whatever that you have in place behind the scenes result in like a like an all-in kind of scenario right. after either that time skip or after you do like the the restructure if you've created a, a campaign where you've got this smaller geographical scope you set it in a region or a city or a temple with a dungeon complex how do you prevent scope creep without your players feeling like they're on rails like whenever they try to to leave the city all of a sudden they've just found themselves at a different entrance to the city like, <laughs> um guessing that most of it is just letting your players know that like this is where the campaign is taking place but how do you, are there ways to prevent the scope from like escaping from you two parts uh you kind of hit on one already communication with the players understanding you know the structure of the game but also you don't want to feel like the city's surrounded by a bunch of invisible walls so what you have to do is well have to but what you can do is um just write it so that all the plot hooks all the engagement that's happening is inside of the city but I try not to necessarily restrain my players that way. If the players in my current game decided to pick up and ship off to another city, then I'd, I'd run with them. And I think that we necessarily, we as a group, wouldn't necessarily have the same experience that I was hoping to tell. Because as a you know, as a GM, storyteller, DM, there's sort of like a story you're hoping to to sort of engage your players in. So you want to bring it so that write it so that the the plot hooks, the things that interest the characters, the things that they want to engage in, and that's that's about uh, knowing who the the characters are and and what they're what they want to do. Uh, just have it in that location, have it written in. That's why the orcs that uh, the Black Claw Clan orcs that that one character wants to engage with aren't off in another country. They're here. They're a problem here. He doesn't want to run away from solving that problem. His character wants to defeat them. Um, so that way, rather than having him find an invisible wall there, he's just like right in that amalgam space where you want him to be. Right. I think that's also really useful too, because in some games, I found a problem can be that like one character is motivated to do it. The other players want nothing to do with it, especially if it's like, well, we have to travel like across the country for several months and then fight this horde. Yeah. No, you, you have it there outside the gates. It's more pressing for everyone, but it's especially important for whichever character. Yeah. And it them being in close proximity makes it harder for characters or players to be like, ah, oh, too much work. 
Yeah. Well, I think if we played games where characters thought not too much, not too uh, too much work, you know, they'd be less entertaining games in general. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But maybe that city is also like um, one of the characters' hometown, or one of the characters has you know uh, an aspiring destiny in order to be able to save the populace. Um, you know, there's lots of ways to be able to write them in to that core setting area that you're creating. One thing that this has got me thinking about is one of the things that I hear a lot in various places is that when you're creating a game for your players, you want them to have agency, but at the same time, you only have so much creativity. So like, you know, when the players decide they want to go down this road instead of down that road, the stuff that you had planned to be down the end of the road that they didn't go just ends up over there where they are going, which... I have a few problems with, but that's not what I'm getting into. <laughs> okay. um, but how do you, like, if your players decide to pick up shop for various reasons, like whatever the reasons might be, and maybe you agree with them, but you still have a bunch of story ideas that you'd like to, to get through, can you think of any way to recycle them without the players going, well, this is a different city, but it's actually just the same city with a new coat of paint? Is there any way to, like, rescue something that you've built so that you can still use it or do you kind of have to just go yeah this giant binder just goes in the trash now <laughs> so i think that um the longer that you run games you start like accumulating a wealth of ideas that you have you know oh i want to run that planescape game where uh the players are traveling through a realm of fire but they've all got like you know they got to protect their like fire suits while they travel through this area other random ideas that you have. Uh, you, you, I guess you've got a couple uh, options. If they just completely leave the content that you've built, you could store it on a shelf. You could put it at the end of a different road. But it depends on where the players go. Do they go down the coast to the neighboring city? Well, just because they travel down the coast doesn't mean that the problems of the old city aren't also threatening this area. Uh, it's not necessarily like a, oh, the same tribe of orcs has just followed you here. It's all like, no, trade's been cut off. Um, you know, people are, the local guard is having to deal with the ramifications of the problem in the area. And, um, you know, there's like monsters coming out of the woods that are attracted by all the stuff that's going on. And you still can use that same plot. And now you're just expanding the geographical scope, but you're still sort of like in the same story. And counter to that, I guess, is just, do you think there would be a point with which you go, like, okay, I like we sat down when we started and we said that this was going to be just in this region and you guys are not going with that, this campaign is over. Like, is there any ever a point at which you kind of just go, this is too much scope for me and sorry, guys? Uh, I've, I suppose, been blessed that I've never had to deal with that scenario. <laughs> but if you were in a scenario where you had a whole bunch of rebellious players... I guess you've got two decisions as a GM. Either you can try and expand and learn to play what your players are going for, and it's like, okay, well, I kind of had this idea on, you know, like... Hey folks, we had a slight issue with our audio recording here. It took us a little while to, to figure that out and get back on track, uh, and we pick up pretty much where we left off but there is a little bit of a uh, i think we missed about 10 minutes between what you just heard and where we pick back up so we didn't get exactly back on track but we are fairly close so thanks for understanding hope you enjoy the rest of the episode Cord? yeah okay okay so uh where were we talking about? uh closing up shop <laughs> uh, the idea of just like oh right so if really rebellious players yeah 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 Okay, so uh, let's say that you've got a group of really rebellious players and they just, they won't cooperate. 
I guess I'm lucky in the sense that uh, I've never had that happen to me. But if you did, uh, you'd sort of have two sort of options about uh, how to handle that. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of in-between, but if you try and communicate with your players and say, hey, you know, sort of like, this was the plan, are we planning on moving this to uh, like a free roaming game? Maybe you're not up for that as a GM. Maybe you feel like it's too much to handle, or maybe you've got a busy, you know, work schedule and you don't have the time to like plan out the details of a bunch of different settings, a bunch of different areas. Maybe it is sort of like uh, you, you might have to bring that to a close. Ideally, you don't end it. Ideally, you bring the narrative to a close, what we were talking about before about how to round off a game. Uh, you uh, take the opportunity to, to take that conflict that was happening, that narrative was happening, and target it again, I guess, is a, a way you could do it. it. Might not be the best solution, but uh, bring that plot to the players, bring those events to a close, and then you can conclude the game that way. Or maybe that's part of your GMing adventure, because that's what it is. The players have an adventure with stuff that you present them, and you're having an adventure trying to like keep this keep this going, keeping uh, understanding what's happening. And uh, you learn how to run that game. You learn how to run the free roam kind of a uh, scenario. Learn. I just I guess I just wanted to let people know that it's okay to say that you're not comfortable as a DM yeah. doing something because. At the end of the day, like you're the one running it, and you, and you have time. to have you have to have fun too. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have a group of players who are so rebellious that they're like intentionally derailing your campaign, it might be time to sit down with them and have a talk about. That. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because that might be a different problem. Especially newer GMs would have a problem like with that. Like, and I think newer players, newer games are, are more likely to have this problem. Like, I run with a number of different people who have been GMs before, and uh, they understand the those, you know, trials and tribulations and, like, what happens with rebellious players. Uh, even people might not necessarily intend to do it when they're starting. It's just like, no, my character wants to do this, and then you sort of, like, you learn over time how to how to cooperate, how to help tell that story rather than making your GM's life harder. Right. I, uh, I played it in a game one time where one of the other players decided... Like the, the opening setup was very clear. There are goblins, there are kobolds, they're, they're raiding this place. Go and deal with it. You're the adventurers in the area. Uh, this one character decided to go off on his own. And he, the GM, I think, was so stunned that he didn't initially actually realize what was happening. And then eventually he just had to go, look, this is a, pl a plot, or the, the kind of plot hook for everybody. If you go and do this alone you're kind of ruining the narrative here. Yeah. And I think that's an acceptable thing to do. Hopefully you don't have to do it often. Well, maybe you could even... Uh, the, I think we're just trying to, like... Yeah, we're kind of starting to get into, like, how, how, how to deal with problem players, which is... <laughs> yeah. maybe Another episode. Not, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well... Is, is, is there anything else that you'd like to go over for scope, campaign length, anything like that? Um, I think that I just want to both support and then accept an alternative to, to the idea that we're talking about here, where by taking your setting and condensing it to a single location or uh, maybe a single set of events that are occurring, and uh, you are, can explore that in a more rich sense, um, the story sorts go where... Um, the pieces that you've presented start interlinking and start telling a story about each other, and uh, you really can explore that part of it in a much richer sense. But that doesn't mean that 
the large sweeping campaigns can't be amazing and fun, especially if you have a GM who likes to run that way and who wants to tell that story and wants to explore all that, all that stuff. Uh, especially if they're running in a world where they've built it over time themselves, they might already know about all of the different cities along the coast. So it doesn't matter where you go, um, that, that GM's already prepped to run that stuff. It's just a matter of um, being purposeful with your decisions, being purposeful with plot that you're telling. Don't just throw travel time in there to get between point A and point B to carry on the same plot. Make your travel purposeful. So if you're going to make that happen, then maybe explore the travel part of it as well. Maybe you're traveling down like a pilgrim's road and you can explore that as a setting and then get to that for a couple of sessions um, and then arrive at the other location where, you know, you are prepping material and you're able to explore that. So use like a series of smaller condensed areas rather than just trying to like go for sprawl. Right. And... What just kind of occurred to me is like this is kind of the difference between like the Dresden Files and the Eye of the World series. Like they're both good, but one is a much is set in a, a single city and it tells a lot of really cool stories. The other one is set in a an entire continent in this giant continent in a world, and it also tells a bunch of cool stories. But you're kind of become less attached to each location they're in because you spend less time in it. But yeah. they're still both good fun stories to read and it's that's kind of what it feels like with this smaller scope is that you end up with smaller stories that are easier to tell and experience absolutely all right last question i think mm -hmm. so uh what is something you wish you could tell yourself back when you started dming that you know now especially in relation to scope and kind of condensing setting don't start with world map. <laughs> um, I made that mistake. <laughs> it's fun. It's a I, I like as a as a GM. I love a blank piece of paper. I love just filling that with ideas and concepts. And it's like, oh well, if I just you know just put it on there, and then I'm gonna think about how ways to include that uh, later. Start with what kind of story that you want to tell. Be, uh, I, I said it before, but like be purposeful with it. You know, if you want to tell like a, a story of overarching of vengeance and things like that, you know, figure out what you're going to have happen with that. Try and feel about like where the, what the players are going to experience, what you want the focus to be. And then once you have that, then sort of expand that into, well, what location is this going to happen in? And be careful of scope creep. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming and talking to us. This is a lot of fun. For everybody that's listening, please check us out on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us at DMs of Vancouver. We've got our Twitter account and our Facebook group page thing. Our show is available on iTunes and Google Play as well as on our website. And if you like the show, please rate and subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Hey, folks. Roll initiative.